When Rich Lewis first reached out to me through Podmatch, I knew that what he had to offer was valuable, but at the moment, I didn't think it was the right fit for the healing season. Rich Lewis has spent a lot of time learning about, practicing, and sharing about centering prayer or engaging God through silence. It's something I've experienced too and found a lot of value in. And so I definitely wanted to have him on, but my gut response was, hey, maybe we can get you in next season. God gut checked me and used Rich's book that made it clear, no, this actually is very relevant to this topic of healing. In fact, the days preceding our interview, a number of things happened to further push the reality that this was the right episode to have. It started when I was recording the podcast that I mentioned in the previous episode, where I was reminded of some past trauma and found myself struggling to process verbally, but then at the same time reminded of ways God had met me in the midst. Then I had a really good conversation with the last guest, Andrina, And that further brought out things for both of us in our past and further reminded me of the importance and relevancy of seeking God through silence because I was reminded of specific moments where God met me in silence. So then I hopped on the call with Rich and I'm so glad that I'm able to share this with you because over the last few episodes, we've been hitting some hard stuff. And for some of you, you may have had things evoked you may have had hardships come back to your mind and heart. And it's one thing for us to talk about the challenges of healing, but if we don't provide ways to step towards healing, we might be missing a really important opportunity. And that's what this episode is. This episode exists to give you a very simple and accessible way to seek healing from God. It's so simple and accessible that you're going to have an opportunity to try it out later. You're listening to episode 66 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for this opportunity for Rich and I to talk and particularly around this this idea of centering prayer and silence. And even just based on the events of this morning, I feel like there is something you have up your sleeve for this conversation. So we just want to give it to you. We pray that you would guide our words, um, that you would be honored and glorified. Uh, And I just thank you that you do speak in so many ways, including silence. So I just praise you for who you are and thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. So Rich, I'm excited to have you here. You know, you and I don't know each other. We connected through Podmatch. For me, this has been a very interesting few weeks because out of nowhere, God's brought about a lot of people. You know, when you and I connected initially, you shared about your heart for centering prayer, finding God in silence. And at first, my mind was like, oh, no, I might want to wait and do this in another season. It's really good, but I don't know if it's going to fit. And I felt to nudge that, no, this is this is pretty relevant. And, you know, I thought about it some more. I was like, yeah, no, this is actually good. You sent me your, your book that you wrote. And right there in chapter one, you write, I sit in silence to be loved and healed by God. Silence creates a space for me to heal. And it couldn't be any clearer than that. <laughs> like, okay, this, this works in healing. But I guess just to start, Rich, you know, if you bumped into somebody on the street and you were both heading somewhere, but you had to introduce yourself, what do you say to this person before you part ways? Who are you, Rich? That's a good question. (laughs) I I guess I'm someone that believes God loves us 
and is within us and can be found in the silence. So God can be found in the silence. God loves us. And if we keep returning to the silence, it can heal us. And, and, it, and we can talk about that in our conversation. It can heal us in many, many different ways, not, not just one way. You, you can find your true self and you can be healed by tension that your body holds and you can be healed by all the thoughts, some we know and repressed ones that we hold on to. So I would share that, you know, it's been a powerful practice for me. It, it's meditation and a relationship with God that has, that really has healed and transformed me and, and would encourage people just to try it and see it for themselves if it, if it resonates and works for them and, and is helpful for them. Yeah. You know, there's many different ways that people can pray, but I feel like there are many people who, when they think of prayer, they only think of the one overt way you, you say, dear God insert a bunch of words, ask for some things, and then say amen. And that is prayer. You just mentioned silence. And I mentioned in the prayer at the start of this, the, the topic of centering prayer. There are probably a lot of people that don't know. They know what silence is. They might not understand how that relates with prayer and talking to God and hearing God. <laughs> but there may be people who have no idea what centering prayer is. What is centering prayer? Sure. And then one thing I'll, I'll say is don't give up your other forms of prayer so that what you were talking about is really verbal prayer, and I pray verbally as well. So I, I tell people, don't give up. Any way you pray, don't give it up. Just add this type of practice. It can complement and enrich it. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, Centering Prayer, so it's been around since the early 1970s. It was actually created by three Catholic priests. They saw other forms of meditation happening, and they wanted something for the Christian community. And one of the priests, Father William Manager, discovered, I guess, the method, and I'll share what it is, the, kind of the method of centering prayer in an old 14th century book called The Cloud of Unknowing. They began teaching it to other clergy, but then they really began rolling it out to, to the public because they obviously knew it would be beneficial for, for everybody, not, not just for, for clergy. But how you do it is it's silent, wordless prayer, and it's considered meditation and a relationship with God. To begin your prayer time, you sit quietly with your eyes closed, and then to begin your time of prayer, you introduce what's called a sacred word of one or two syllables. So that could be God, ocean, Jesus, it could be a color. To begin your prayer, and what you're doing is opening to the presence and actions of God within. And then whenever you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is you're thinking about all the things you did before your sit, or you think about what you're going to do when you get up from your sit, you realize you're no longer sitting with God and you're sitting with your planning and plotting. You reintroduce that sacred word, let go of your planning and plotting and engaged thoughts, and then even let go of the sacred word and just come back to God and the purpose of your sit, of just sitting with God and trusting God and, and seeing what happens in the silence. So you do that when needed. So it's not used as a mantra. You only use your sacred word when you find yourself planning and plotting. Hmm. But that's essentially centering prayer. So it's about 50 years old, created by three Trappist monks, but really were then rolled out to the public. And, and about 10 years later in 1984, um, Father William Keating created the Contemplative Outreach Organization, which has a website. It's called contemplativeoutreach.org. It's really the main centering prayer organization. So anybody can go on there and find a ton of resources. And you can even find Center in Prayer groups on that site that practice in, in all the states in the U.S. and not just in the U.S., internationally. And now much of it's being done via Zoom. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about the history and how you do it.
you know, when we talk about silence, what's wild about that in terms of healing or, you know, navigating hard situations is it's counterintuitive to the way we think we should deal with situations. If there's a hard situation, then you have to figure out how to fix the hard situation. You have to get out of the hard situation. Or if you are bringing prayer into it, you have to tell God what he needs to fix. <laughs> and then you need to try to hear how he's telling you to fix it. Silence seems the opposite of that. Silence seems unproductive. Silence seems like it's not bringing solutions. It's actually wasted time. But what you and I know is that's actually not true. In fact, that can end up being more powerful than all of our plotting and planning. How is it that silence, where you are literally trying not to think of things, trying not to do things, how is it that silence can actually be so powerful and restorative? I mean, if you think about the practice, you're letting go of your engaged thoughts, and that's anything. So that's happy thoughts, sad thoughts, repressed thoughts that start coming out, and you're letting go and continuously coming back to God. And really, the only thing left after that is just you and God. So we're connecting with God. We're connecting to our true self. I think of it as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me what I need, even for the rest of the day when I get up from that sit. So it might be inner peace and calm. It might be wisdom for tasks. It might be just to be more present and listen to people. So I guess what's powerful about it is you take the let go posture out of your centering prayer, sit into your everyday life. And then you're really more present for whatever that thing is you need to do, whether it's your job and a task you have to work on or, or listening to someone that just needs you to hear them. So that's really where it's powerful is it, the posture of let go comes with you outside of your sits. And you learn to let go of things that don't help you and are harmful to you and, and thoughts that really, that really aren't true and just hone in and focus on what you need to do in that moment. Yeah. I mean, it's getting us to the core of what we see throughout scripture. One like you noted, when you let go of everything else, all that's left is you and God. And that's really the heart of scripture that God desires to be with us and that we are invited to seek God first. And the other thing that we see throughout scripture and, and most notably in Jesus's words is this releasing of self, this death to self, all these things that we would want to hold on to. Jesus invites us to let it all go. And in this very simple act, suddenly we're able to practice these really profound theological processes. <laughs> it reminds me of the number of times that the simple act of silence, of centering prayer has been meaningful to me in hard seasons. And I shared on the podcast episode that I was a guest last week and in the conversation that I just had about a hard work situation. And because I was at work, there's limitations on what I could do during the workday. But there are moments where I felt overwhelmed. I felt hurt. I felt I was feeling any number of things. And whereas human thinking would say that level of stress requires taking a day off or taking an hour and going doing this. Sometimes I only had five minutes. But there is this really wonderful prayer garden that existed just two blocks away from where I was working. A church had created it for the community. It was tucked in the trees. I mean, we're in the middle of an urban context. And so there's a lot of houses, but this was like this one little retreat space in the middle that felt removed. They had a prayer labyrinth. They had a couple of benches, tables. Sometimes I would only have five minutes, but I would just go. And instead of having some agenda of what I needed to bring to God, instead of having all these things I wanted them to fix, 
there were moments where I felt like God was inviting me just to sit. And so I would sit in silence. And those five minutes felt more restorative than a week-long vacation. <laughs> I mean, there really is power. What is an example of a time in your life where you saw how God can work powerfully through this form of prayer? I would say almost every day, really. Like <laughs> I've been working from home since March, about mid-March of 2020, and possibly a return to the office in some mini form in January of next year. Mm. But my work days are very hectic. I'm on the computer, I'm servicing clients, I work in the financial services field, and I'm dealing with corporate accounts, and I'm dealing with internal pressure to get things done, and I'm dealing with client questions and things that need to get done. So I take two sits per day. So the first sit I do is in the morning before I do anything, I, I take a 20-minute sit, and then I begin my day in this, and that kind of gets me going, resets me, reconnects me to God and gets me grounded. And I consider it God and I partnering to start the day. And then by mid-afternoon or so, I'm tired and I'm draining and I need kind of reset and reground. So actually, probably after this podcast, I'll do my second sit and I, and I need that sit. So many people will say, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I, I can't do a second sit. And I'll tell them, try a second sit and then finish your day. And then you look back and, and you realize how productive and how, how much you truly needed that second sit. Mm. So to answer your question, I need it every day, particularly on, on work days. I need that second sit right before lunch every day. It helps me finish the day. And it's God and I really partnering to, to finish the day and get done what is most important that day. Yeah. Well, and what we're hitting at too is there's a couple pieces then that become barriers for us. One, our, our belief that God can work, that God can work through prayer, that God can work through silence. But then there's the willingness to give of our time for it. We, we really protect our time. We say, I'm too busy for this, that, or the other. And we will neglect giving a couple minutes to something valuable like this, but we will default to giving plenty of time to other things like scrolling social media, right? Like we actually don't have a good concept of time and value. To that first point, there may be people who, let's say they've been listening this far and whatever their faith tradition they grew up in or their experiences, they may find barriers with certain words like the mention of monks or contemplative ways of serving or, you know, all these things, these words that can become barriers. You know, I used to run some internship programs. And one of the things that I would bring into it is having these silent retreats where maybe we would go away for a weekend, or maybe this would just be during the day, but there would be an hour of time set aside where I would say, okay, for the next hour, I don't want you to have any agenda. Don't want you to have your phones. Definitely. You're just going to go and, and sit with God. And then they would say, well, is there a scripture verse I should be working on or this? Oh, no, 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 no. You're just going to sit. And it was, it was interesting. Like I knew it would be confusing and uncomfortable on the front end for most of the people, because for most of them, they had never sat in silence with God. Like it was always a transactional experience, but I was like, no, we're just, we're just going to sit give it an hour, and then we'll come back. And it was really interesting to see how people responded to that, to, to recognize those that were resistant because it seemed weird or it seemed odd or it seemed like it wouldn't work. And then to see the response of those who, whether they were comfortable or not, that they tried it. And what was really beautiful is those moments where someone said, 
you know, I felt really uncomfortable with the concept of just sitting in silence. I always have to have my journal with me. I always have to have this with me. I was really uncomfortable and I'm really glad that I did it. I felt like I experienced God in a different way. How would you encourage people who feel uncomfortable with certain words or feel uncomfortable with the concept? Like, how do you encourage people to press past skepticism or discomfort? Sure. I mean, I guess what I remind people is, I mean, centering prayer, you, you come as you are with whatever you think, whatever you believe. Some people call God higher power or God or father, or everybody calls God something different, or some people aren't even sure if they believe in God. So I just encourage people, you know, come exactly as you are, wherever you are. And then if you think about centering prayer, you know, we let go of our thoughts and emotions. So if you come into it with, I'm not sure I believe in God, that's okay. And then just let go of that thought and just sit and see what happens. Or, or if you come with, I don't even want to sit and do this, that's a thought and, and bring it with you and then let go, <laughs> let, let go of it. So I just tell people to come exactly as you are, because I believe that God accepts us exactly as we are. And God's delighted that we're just taking the time to sit with God and trust him, her spirit <laughs> mm -hmm. at this time and, and see what happens. Yeah. Thinking again about healing, one thing I loved about what you were sharing is in your own personal rhythm of this, you, know, you work it in, you try to do this twice a day. It almost brings a different understanding of how we approach healing. The normal approach to healing is you wait till there's this big thing that needs to be healed, and then you just really focus in on praying for that thing to be healed. But it's almost like what you're doing is not just bringing healing, but it's also preventative. It's preventing the stress from being able to cause the wounds that it would have otherwise. I mean, I guess it heals in many different ways. It heals one in that it's a safe place to sit and your repressed thoughts and emotions can come out. We don't need to hold on to all these repressed thoughts. I mean, we hold on to a lot of thoughts that we don't even know we repress. So we sit in silence with all kinds of thoughts weighing on our mind and that's, it's heavy and, and mentally exhausting. And then repressed thoughts that we're holding on to for many, many years, going back to maybe even as a baby, we're holding on to in, in our life. Mm -hmm. And then even our bodies are holding a ton of tension and it's a safe place to, to release tension in our bodies. And we all hold tension in different places, whether it's in our jaw or our shoulders or our stomach, we all hold tension in different places. So when you sit in silence, I guess we're healed in many different ways of repressed thoughts, of thoughts we tell ourselves of tension in our bodies and we're even healed because when we release all of these thoughts and repress thoughts and tension in our body, the only thing left is us and God and our true self and the person God wants us to be. So I, I consider that kind of true freedom to really act from myself on a daily basis as much as possible. Hmm. It's a physically and mentally and, and true self and of our heart healing that goes on every time we just keep showing up. As you practice a long-term practice, you, it has to change you. It has to heal you. It's, it's true freedom. I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful, true freedom. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned repressed thoughts, what it made me think of is one of the challenges that I have struggled with in the past is ruminating thoughts. Sometimes something that I ended up needing to get healed from was caused because of my own ruminations, that I would think of a situation, then I would think about it and think about it and think about it and replay it and replay it and replay it. I remember there was one time a friend of mine was upset with me and I was very confused as to why it was because they had had an entire conversation in their mind <laughs> and then the anger had grown from that. 
these moments can be ways to stop that natural inclination to ruminate. These moments of choosing silence over cycling through can then keep us from going down into this hole that we just keep digging and digging and digging and creating these realities that don't even exist. It really is a, a powerful tool that God has given us. And here's the interesting thing is this concept of silence, this concept of, of even just putting it really basically like relaxation, right? is not restricted just to Christianity. These are concepts that the world as a whole and other religions and other mindsets and philosophies, they recognize the value of silence and relaxation. Or, or to put another way, what it communicates is this is so ingrained into who God has made us to be. It is such a, a need within us that all of humanity has a sense of it, <laughs> whether they realize it or not can benefit from it, whether they realize it or not. No, I, I, I mean, I completely agree. We're better at our doing because of our being. If we're always doing, 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 we're going to burn out and we just can't reset and reground ourselves and reconnect ourselves to life. So we're better at doing if we take some time just, just to be with God. And you can even just do a mini bursts, one or two or three minutes. I mean, I've done that before if I'm going to the doctors and I, I don't like going to the doctor. And if I'm early, I'll just do a quick five minute center and prayer sit in my car and then walk in. Or if I have a meeting at work and I'm a little bit nervous about it, I, I'll do a quick one or two minute sit and then, and then go into the meeting. So you can take silence at any point just to reset and reconnect you to life and reconnect you to God so that you're ready to go. Yeah. But I think many people just don't realize you know, how helpful it can be. And how accessible and simple, right? Like, I think that's what's great about what you shared. You shared people can come as they are who they are, what they believe, whether they believe God exists or not. It's accessible. And what you've just shared of the amount of time, there's accessibility there. If you don't have an hour, if you don't have 30 minutes, if you have one minute, let's roll with that. And then even you mentioning the car, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I don't use the, the term quiet time anymore. I stopped using that a while ago, particularly when I was working with the interns, because all of them were familiar with the term quiet time. And they would think of it as that is the, my quiet time is the time that me and God get together. It's 30 minutes and I pray and I read the Bible and this, that, and the other. The reason I stopped using that in that context and, and in my personal life is that if we're not careful, we can decide that that time can only exist when we can get the quiet. So for the interns, they were doing busy work, busy times, living in a house with a lot of other people. So there were very few quiet times. And so many of them would just not spend time with God because they were waiting for the opportune 30 minute solitude chunk. For me in my personal life, quiet ended when my first child was born. <laughs> and, and now he is almost nine, but our youngest is a little over two. And so it's going to be a while before our house has quiet in it. And as long as I'm feeling like I can only read scripture, I can only pray if it is quiet, I'm missing out. The reality is, though, in the midst of that, in the midst of kids, I still need these moments with God. And I remember some particularly stressful seasons where I knew I just needed to sit with God. I just needed to sit with God. But my kids were in the house being loud. I had responsibilities where I couldn't just leave and go somewhere else. All I had accessible was two minutes where I could step out the front door and sit on the porch. And I was amazed at how every time God could do abundantly more with that little offering 
than I could have imagined. And I could walk back in the house restored. So accessibility is, is what you've been sharing. And I, and I really hope people hear that because this is a gift that God has given us that all of us have the capacity to use whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever time we have available to us. Right. And I would say, you know, you just have to look at your life and put these times where they belong. So if there's a certain time where the kids are napping or we're doing something, then you, that's the time you can do your centering prayer, silent sit. As the ups and downs of your life change, you put your sits where they belong. So like right now, I know where they belong for me, but a couple of years back, work was really busy and I realized I needed more than two sits. So I actually changed it for about a six month period where I added a third sit, but I, and I just made each sit 13 minutes. So I did a morning sit of 13 minutes, a sit right before lunch of 13 minutes. And then actually the third and last sit, I did at three o'clock in the afternoon for 13 minutes. And then when things calmed down, I moved back to the two sits per day. And then even when I first started practicing center and prayer, I guess it was, I, I did a morning sit and then I did one after dinner. And then I realized that wasn't working and I, and I was not spending as much time as I wanted with my wife and kids. So I moved that sit to before lunch. And that was even better because I was at work. So I would actually would leave my cubicle in, the, in our office and go to my car, do my second sit and then eat my lunch. And I wasn't interfering with the family or kids at that point because I was at work anyhow. Mm-hmm. So just look at your life and put your sits you know, where they fit. And or you might need to negotiate if, you know, if you're married and have children, you might need to negotiate with your spouse or partner that can you help me out here and, and take them for 10 minutes or 20 minutes while I do this? You might yeah. need to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's something my wife and I, we had this rhythm for a while where we would alternate giving each other space in the morning. Once the kids were at a kind of a sufficient place, they had gotten dressed, they gotten their breakfast. We had some time before the next thing. We'd have a period of time where at least one of us could go outside of the house or elsewhere in the house and just get some time with God. And the other one could too, but they would be in the house. And so they would be on call, if you will. But the other person were free from that. And it's, I think you're right. It's this collaboration. We're called to function in community and we can actually help each other in these processes. We can make the space for these kind of things. And even beyond that, you know, when I think of a church or a ministry, how beautiful could it be if creating space and rhythm and capacity for this was worked into just the functioning of the ministry of the church itself? You know, the other piece too is we are often well-intentioned, but just really bad at follow through. You're talking about creating a rhythm, creating a routine, looking at what you have in front of you and just figuring out how to place things where they will work best. And a lot of times we could say, oh yeah, no, this sounds good. I would love to do this, but then we actually don't move forward on it. So you had mentioned the starting point is just schedule it in and just try it. Just try it. You think you don't have time, just, just try it and see how it goes. But what's really great for us these days is we have so much technology that can actually assist in this. We have alarms we can set on our phone, but even as you were talking, what it reminded me of, I've got a a smartwatch on and all the smartwatches come with this breathing app in it. You know, you set it for however long, three minutes, five minutes, minutes, and it just, and there are just everyday people that are using this to like, they recognize I need to stop and breathe and relax during the day. This is something that someone who wants to practice silence, practice centering prayer, they can utilize this technology to set it at certain points of the day for certain amounts of time. And then when it goes off, 
this secular app, this non-Christian app, like this app that's just about breathing, can suddenly be a resource to remind you to pray and then to create that time period where like, all right, well, I, I guess I need to be in silence for the next three minutes, <laughs> you know? And then as you step into that, it builds rhythm to the point where for you, the way you've described it, it is a more natural thing than I imagine it was on the front end. Yes. I mean, you do have to make a decision that you're going to start and you're going to try it. So for people that ask me, how do I start? I often tell them, you know, make it the first thing you do as you begin your day, whether it's a work day or a weekend, or, or even if you're not working, make it the first thing you do to begin your day and just start slow with baby steps, one, two, three, three minutes and slowly increase the time. And then after about a month or so, if, if you're finding it's working well for you, re it's resonating well for you, and you've kind of bumped up your time frame to 10, 15, or 20 minutes, then I tell people, try adding a second sit and, and figure out where does that fit and what your day looks like, and then take baby steps with that and slowly work that one up as well. And then the last thing I tell people is, you know, be kind and gentle to yourself. If you miss a sit, don't beat yourself up and that you're a terrible person for not showing up. Just show up for, for the next sit. So, so you missed it. That's life. And I'll just move on with your day and show up for your next sit. What's great is, you know, the other piece of this accessibility is it doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> you know, the only thing it costs you is time and you can choose how much time it costs you. You know, this isn't like a Bible study where you have to purchase the Bible study materials or a group where you have to travel to get to it. Like this is literally something you can do and it doesn't cost you anything, but what it can give back to you can be a far abundantly more. This is something that is good for the person who feels like their life is in a good place and can bring tremendous value to the person like you described who is maybe in a stressful job or a stressful season of life to the person who feels like they're in an existential crisis, that the world is falling apart on them. No matter where someone falls on that spectrum, centering prayer and silence can bring tremendous value. You know, one question I had is, you know, I mentioned how this had impacted you. One of the things that you've shared is that there's this simple, beautiful thing that this brings in terms of healing and restoration and, and preventative pieces. Are there any stories you know of where someone has practiced centering prayer and they experience God in a really profound way, or God used that to do something that they did not expect to happen? I mean, I, I would say, or even for myself, I mean, it, it's, it has changed me. I've, I've been practicing since June of 2014. So if I think about what was I like prior to that and what am I like now, I'm a much different person. I'm, I'm more calm. I'm less reactive. Sometimes I'm still working progress in that area, but I'm less reactive and more willing to listen. I'm more present and just in the present moment. I'm more focused on when I'm in the present moment with what needs to be done and let go of things that can wait. I'm, I'm a much more confident person in myself. I'm more willing to get out of my comfort zone and try and, and do new things. And I think I'm just a much more excited person to live life. And, and God, I think, wants us to be excited to live life. And, and not that I wasn't excited before, but just so there's more of an excitement to life. And, and then I just look at things I've been doing as a result of it you know, that, I, that I never even dreamed of or thought I'd be doing. You know, from you know, having a website, Silence Teaches, that's now four years old, and, and, and letting it grow from a weekly meditation to one-on-one you know, -on -one coaching with people and, and speaking and teaching in the community 
and to the book that I published a year ago. These are all things that I, they weren't even in, in my thoughts. And I look forward to where else it will take me. So those are some of the fruits. And really, it's God. I mean, I just let go of who I'm not and trusted God. And this is the direction God has told me to go. So I look forward to seeing, you know, what does the future have in store? And where does God want me to go? And what does God want me to do? Others will say the same thing as they practice centering prayer and just trust God and then start looking at their life afterwards. They start seeing how it has changed them and, and the things that they're now doing that they never thought they would be doing or the, or the trust and confidence that they didn't have that they now have. I, I think the fruits, God knows what we need. So I think he graces each person with what they need, which what I need is very different from what someone else probably needs. And I think what's so powerful about what you just shared is you know, what you've named is that you are a totally different person and God has brought about opportunities and the ways you are functioning are ways that you had hoped one day you could or didn't even know you would be able to like this is it is a really profound change. And there are so many people in the world that are looking for that and that will invest a lot to pursue that they will invest a lot of time, they will invest a lot of money, they will go to certain programs or certain schools or relocate, they'll, they'll do all kinds of things to get themselves to the place that you got simply by sitting with God on a regular basis, right? <laughs> like, it's just so amazing to me that people are longing for something that you found in such a, a simple and beautiful way. And I hope that that reality encourages people to, like you've gently said several times, just, just try, just, just try, you know, see and see what happens. And then if you like it, then, then do a little more. Like it's, it's so simple and accessible. And, and, isn't that the beauty of who God is? There's so many ways that he demonstrates his love in such simple and accessible ways, but we in our humanity constantly try to take the long, hard road. Like We try to go about getting the affirmation we want, the, the love we want, the recognition we want, all these things that God is graciously offering to us. And all he says is, just come sit with me. <laughs> It's so true. If I think about all the different things that have happened with me as a result of centering prayer and letting go of a fear and anxiety and just opening up. Obviously, I found centering prayer in a book. Amos Smith, I was cruising Amazon looking for a book to read in late 2013. And I and I came across his book called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And it talked about a practice he had been doing for about 15 years called centering prayer. So that's how I learned of centering prayer. So then I connected with him and emailed him. And to this day, we're friends and, and, and we work together. And then Amos is the one that nudged me to write my book, Sitting with God, and he helped me through that process. And then even the publication of the book was simply because I was, I was having some challenges finding a publisher to publish it. And lo and behold, I got invited to go to a Zoom call just with a bunch of people like me to sit and talk and listen to each other and see how we can help each other. And I threw out a simple question in the Zoom call and it turned out of the publisher that published my book was on the call. We ended up talking and, and then they said, that let's take a look at your book and see if we're interested. And, and then she said, next thing you know, they wanted to publish the book. So things like that just began happening 
you're right. I wasn't spending money and, and, and investing and doing anything. I was just simply letting go and opening to life and opening to my surroundings and things kind of came to me. So, I mean, that's how the book got published. I decided to go to a Zoom call. If I hadn't gone to the Zoom call, maybe the book probably, I don't know if it would have been published or if another publisher, but things like that just, just began happening. And then I, I only had published one book and, and a gentleman that I, that I knew well had published many books. I guess he liked my book and he asked me to write a forward for his book that came out in January. And, and I was baffled because I thought it ought to be the other way around. He's written four books or so. What's, in my mind, I'm thinking, why is he asking me? But of course, I said, I'd be honored to. And, I, and, and then another gentleman asked me to write his forward. So just things like that yeah. just started happening. I'll get it random emails. Can you come speak? Can you come talk to our group? Can you, can you, can you speak? Can you do this? And then the last thing I'll say is I was asked to contribute to a chapter to a book that'll be coming out by another publisher in February of next year. They just wanted me to contribute a chapter on silence which obviously is perfect because that's, that's what yeah. centering pr prayer is. So things like that just started happening because of my daily practice of centering prayer and, and letting go and opening to God and trusting God, seeing what I should be doing. And some things you start noticing and other things just naturally start coming to you. <laughs> yeah. If somebody wanted to read Sitting with God, where can they find that? Um, it's, it's on my website. So if they, they could actually, if they come to my website, silenceteaches.com, um, I have a free ebook if they want to just first understand center in prayer. And then if they decide they want to dabble a little bit deeper, my book is on my website. So they'll see Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayers is on my website as well. It's at all the retailers, but a lot of people purchase through Amazon these days. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot more we could talk about, but for the sake of time, you know, is there anything else that you would want people to know, anything else that you want to share, anything else on your heart before we go? I would just simply say, encourage people to try, try this type of practice and, and see what happens. So don't give up your other forms of prayer. Make it the first thing you do. Take one, two, three minutes of silence in the morning and try it for a month and see what happens. Just come as you are with no expectations, simply because you love God, or if you're not even sure about God, just come anyhow and try it and see what happens. Psalm 46.10 is a verse that many of us know and many of us fail to live out regularly. He says, be still and know that I am God. And if we're honest, we really struggle with being still. I'm not just talking about physical activity, but I'm talking about the lack of stillness in our minds. And that's the gift that God is offering us. And that Rich has offered us in this episode, the simple gift of silence and how that can be a way for us to know that God is God. Now, during this episode, we mentioned that one of the reasons that we struggle to live this out is that we struggle with time. We've got a lot to do, and we just can't add another thing to the mix. Rich made it really clear, though, how accessible this is. One, you can start with just a minute two minutes, three minutes, and build from there. Two, you can work it into your existing rhythms. 
whether it's sitting in the parking lot a little longer, or another example is one he gave after he stopped recording, that when he goes to the chiropractor, there's a period of time where he has to be in this room by himself, and while he is in there by himself, he does one of his sits. There are times in your day already where you can integrate the things that Rich has shared. We're going to do something a little different for this outro, and we're actually going to practice it. Because the reality is, right now, you have the time. You have already locked in to finish this episode out. So why not devote just one minute of this episode to centering prayer? So I want to keep this really simple and accessible. So here's what we're going to do. In a few moments, we're going to cut to a minute of total silence. No music, no ocean sounds, just total silence. And I want you to give that minute to God in the same ways that Rich has shared. Just release whatever's on your mind, release any expectations, and just sit. Just be still and know that God is God. But we all know that sometimes our minds like to pick back up and get going again. So Rich mentioned a sacred word. Put very simply, it's just a word that you choose that when your mind starts to go again, you just repeat it in your mind as a way of telling your mind, let go. And it can be something simple like God, Jesus, thank you, whatever you want it to be. When your mind starts going again, just say that word and then sit. And it'll be just for a minute, but it'll be a simple way for us to practice this. Let's be still and know that God is God. I don't know what that experience was like for you, but I hope that it was encouraging. And at the very least, I hope it made it clear that this is simple and accessible. We want so much for God to give us answers. We want so much for him to fix our situations. But sometimes God just wants us to sit in his presence and wants us to know that he has been sitting in our presence all along. Sometimes God is offering healing, but we're moving too much and thinking too much to catch it. And it's in the silence that we can find out how much of a healer God is. It's in the silence that we can find out that there are ways that God wanted to heal that we didn't even know existed. And it's through the silence that we can discover abundantly more than we could have asked or imagined. Rich shared that who he is now is a completely different person than who he was before he started this simple act of centering prayer, of taking moments in the day to just sit in silence with God. 
Many of you may have a longing to be different in some way, and this is a simple step to get there. But I want to emphasize that the purpose of this is not self-improvement. The purpose of this is to practice sitting with and honoring God. But scripture says that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the rest will follow. We know that if we seek God, he will do abundantly more than we could have asked or imagined. Silence is an amazing thing, and it is available to us today. So make space to be still and know that God is God. And then go about your day. And as you do, ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God? <laughs>